And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for joining me here on the program. We come your way on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. and uh, Wednesdays at 9 a.m. That is our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. Our podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations on the internet. We hope that you will uh, look us up. Uh, probably can Google us and you'll find us pretty much anywhere. We are also on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. And also a reminder, with every one of our guests, we will be linked to their website. So we certainly hope that you will avail yourselves of that information. We also... Uh, are going to encourage you to spend some time during the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s. We ask you to go within, to listen to that still small voice and just sit quietly, peacefully, just taking it easy, relaxing. And in this in this day and age in which we live, uh, you can't uh, you can't find enough quiet time and quiet space. And if you'd like to support the work that we are doing, we would greatly appreciate any financial support. We have a PayPal account. It is there for your security as well as ours. And uh, when they ask you for an email address to whom to send the uh, support to, it's Richard at RichardDugan.com. That's Richard at RichardDugan.com. With all of that said, we have a very interesting program today. We're going to be uh, talking with our very special guest who uh, is a detective. He's a professional certified transformational coach, author, teacher. Uh, he is um, the the creator of the uh, clear belief method of trauma information. Uh, he's an informed a therapeutic coach uh, when he... Um, when he teaches to coaches, healers, and therapists around the world. That is what he does. And the Clear Belief Coach Training is an in incredible by the International Coaching Federation. I should say it's accredited by the International Coaching uh, Federation, an association for coaching. Our guest today is uh, Lion Goodman. And Lion, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Richard. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, I don't necessarily refer to you as detective. Is that a uh, actually a legitimate you were a detective at one time? Or is this uh, the role you've taken on when uh, researching and coming up with this wonderful uh, clear beliefs method? Well, I'm called the subconscious pattern detective. So I am not an official detective, except <laughs> that I do detect subconscious patterns quite well and uh, quite efficiently. So that's why they call me that. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you permission, should you choose to do so, to do whatever detecting you choose to do on me. Oh, I, can, I can use all the help I can get um, and uh, we'll maybe make a program out of that. But let us start from the very beginning here in regards to this uh, very unique method called the clear beliefs method of uh, trauma. Um, what What is it? Uh, first of all, I, I began studying consciousness and myself uh, when I was in my teen years, and I continued that study throughout my life. So uh, I've been trying to understand the nature of human nature for about 50 years. Uh, and in that time, uh, I tried lots of different things. I took workshops and trainings, and I studied with gurus and teachers and took classes in college and I graduated with a degree in consciousness studies in 1975, which will tell you how old I am. It's uh, <laughs> that was a long time ago. And as far as I can tell, it was the first degree granted in that field. Um, and of course, nobody was hiring people with degrees in consciousness studies since I had invented it. <laughs> and so, right. Uh, so I, I got it. I took a job as a traveling salesman. And uh, that led to an incident in which I was almost killed and had an out of body experience which spurred my interest in uh, consciousness and understanding who we really are, why we're here, what we're doing. And that led to the study of the brain and the mind. And the mind is what, uh, to the brain, they're, they're certainly interconnected. We, one doesn't cause the other. They're just both simultaneous. Uh, but in the way that neurons are this, the infrastructure of the brain, 
beliefs are the infrastructure of the mind. Uh, it's the basic unit of mind that when we conclude something, we say, this is that, that is good, mm. this is bad. Those are beliefs that are really how we build our mind and build our personality. So uh, in all of that study and practice with many, many different disciplines, I realized that these inner patterns that are running our life are what make us either great, greatly successful or unsuccessful. It makes us healthy. It makes us unhealthy. So that got me interested in where those patterns come from, how they function, why they function, why they're hard to change. And so that's my practice. And I now teach a method to other people on how to clear out the old patterns that are interfering with our life. I had an interview some years ago uh, with Greg Braden, who had written a book called The Power. I believe it was uh, uh, something along the lines having to do with belief. And for some reason, the title of the book now escapes me. Uh, but one of the things that he said, and I want to dive into your concept here in regards to clear belief, the clear belief method. He made the comment that um, today we believe but tomorrow we will not believe we will know what's the difference between uh um i think this was like uh, the title was some along the lines of healing he's a healing healing beliefs or what have you um what about that in terms of is that is that where you're coming from in terms of move shifting from beliefs to knowing and um, and I'm, I've got the second question. I don't want to deluge you with too much because I tend to layer my questions. So what, what is your what is your comment on that? First of all, the words that we use uh, to describe the mind and to talk about ourselves and, and consciousness ourselves, it's tricky because the words can get used in many different ways. So I'm very careful with language. In fact, language is a belief system. We say that is a cat. Well, that's the definition, but it's also a abstraction from the actual animal and as soon as we say that as a cat we're no longer in relationship with it so words have this way of actually disconnecting us from our experience and what some people talk about knowing they talk about having a direct experience of so for example there's a difference between believing in god and knowing god when you know god you've had a direct experience which informs you in a different way than just believing it however i use the word beliefs in a different way I use it to describe the, that pattern system, the pattern identification system that we use from the beginning. While we're still in the womb, we are beginning to look for patterns. For example, an infant who's who's just comes out of the womb can tell the difference between her mother's voice and her and another woman's voice who's very similar. So we've already identified that pattern and integrated it into our way of living, of, of being alive and surviving. So uh, for me, knowing is a word that describes a belief that we're really sure of. Mm. <laughs> and so it's still a belief. It's just one that we're really, really sure of. We're really positive about uh, doubt is a belief that we're not so sure is or isn't true. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, for me, beliefs are the infrastructure of the human mind and they're what we build our experience on. And so it's all beliefs. For me, it's all made of beliefs all the way down. <laughs> so, so it's a bit different than the knowing or, or philosophizing. Okay. So I want to I, I want to um, uh, uh, go deeper into the definition here. Mm -hmm. So if I say that I believe I have 10 fingers and 10 toes versus I know I have 10 fingers and 10 toes, which is correct? Well, first we have to look at the belief in being correct, <laughs> because that's the belief. Also. <laughs> Wait, we're we're going way back, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we're going we're going all the way down. <laughs> we're going down to the bottom here. Okay. So we we have this belief that there's a thing called correct, and we have a belief that there's a thing called a fact. A fact is generally a generally accepted belief. So we call this ten toes or ten fingers. We call these ten fingers. I'm not mm -hmm. putting toes <laughs> for those listening. Um, uh, because we have this language in which that's a name that we apply to this number. Okay. Now in an, on another planet, in another civilization, it might be called something else. And so, but we have a generally accepted uh, version of what we call that number. 
And that's perfectly okay. We need facts, facts in quotes. Uh, we need beliefs that are generally acceptable in order to communicate with each other, in order to do experiments. We need mathematics. You know, is mathematics before language? Well, there seems to be patterns. We're pattern detectors. And so we can detect patterns and 10, the number 10 is a pattern in nature. So it also depends on how we're counting. So somebody who's counting in base eight will not get to 10. <laughs> so anyway, it, 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 it's a philosophical approach that says, let's just treat it all as beliefs, but let's find out what's useful. It's not a matter of what's true or false, right or wrong, good or bad. It's what's useful to us. And now we can have a conversation about what are the most useful beliefs to have, what really serves us as individuals and as a society, and then let's let's make it a very practical conversation. We're talking with Lion Goodman, and we're talking about the clear belief method, and we are talking on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and you, Lion Goodman, you have opened up um, an interesting dialogue that we're going to have here because we're starting with the conversation, the definition of belief. And based upon what you've said so far, and I don't want to misunderstand you here. Uh, there is technically, again, with our verbiage and everything, there is really nothing that we actually factually, obs um, uh, what's the word I want, um, sub uh, subjective, obj there is nothing objectively factual in our world. It is all a matter of perception. And as a matter of fact, in a movie I was watching, the antagonist said, there is no reality. There is only perception. Is that a fair statement based upon what you're talking about? That when we hear, let's just say, I'm just going to take this as an example, on the news, you hear the story. Then they go out and they talk to people who say, no, that's that's fake. That's 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 wrong. That's this group has uh, got their agenda. That group's got their agenda, et cetera, et cetera. So, no, that's not I don't believe that. And and so now we're in a quandary as to what the facts are. So is my assessment fairly accurate that facts are only facts if you perceive them as such? And still, that's a belief. Yes. <laughs> the answer simply answer is yes. Wow. Yeah. So in order to have objective reality, you'd have to have someone out of time and space and off this planet in order to say what objectively is true. We perceive through our senses. Science is, is the best we can do at finding objectivity because we can do a test and we can replicate the test and then we can say, okay, that's a fact. It doesn't have anything to do with our beliefs. However, you have to believe in the testing methodology and <laughs> this method of science in order to say that. And that's okay. It's mm -hmm. useful. It's very useful to have science. It's very useful to have mathematics, very useful to have words and definitions in the dictionary. And we still perceive through our filters, through our beliefs. And so I'm looking at you not objectively, but through the set of filters that I have about who Richard Dugan is and what he's up to and what kind of person he is. And we do this all the time. We're, we're looking at the world through our belief filters. What do you believe about the world? If you're looking through the filter that says life is hard, what you're going to see through that filter is all the hard parts of life. If you believe life is joy, you're going to be seeing life through that filter called life is joy. So beliefs are practical tools that we can use to ch to have and change our experiences. I tell you what, it it I don't want to say it opens a Pandora's box necessarily, but it it certainly opens the floodgates to give credence to those people who either choose or refuse to accept uh, the given authorities that we have. And yet, back in the '60s, wasn't the slogan? Uh, you know, uh, question, question yeah, question authority. Uh, and that's what we're really doing now today, especially. And it makes, sometimes it makes it very difficult to have conversations. It does indeed, because we've, we've had different beliefs implanted into us. Most of our beliefs were indoctrinated 
by our parents, by our siblings, our friends, our teachers, our religious authorities, government. And so these are all indoctrinated beliefs. Now that helps us become social animals. We find our place in the society or the culture by taking on these beliefs. And if you want to belong to a group, take on their beliefs. If you want to go to a church, take on those beliefs. That's how we belong. And so beliefs are, are a survival infrastructure. They're not just a mental process. They're actually part of who we are and the structure of, of our mind. So when you study beliefs, you recognize that, that they're all subject to change. And so a person who believes in one religion can suddenly let go of those, that belief set and take on a new one. And they're called, they're converted, right? They've converted their belief structure. Or sometimes you discover that a belief that your parents said was not true. Everybody, you know, heard about Santa Claus until they realized that Santa Claus was actually mom and dad. Right? So, <laughs> so that changed the belief. The problem is, is that when beliefs change, they don't disappear they get pushed down into the subconscious mind mm. and they, they operate, they continue to operate down there. And most people find that they have conflicting beliefs inside of them. For example, I want to lose weight and I don't want to stop eating sweets. <laughs> so th that kind of conflict really ties people up. So my job with, with my clients is to help them untangle those belief structures so they can actually live the life they want to. There was a phrase, a saying that was given to me when I was 21, and I've tried to hold on to that, and it's actually helped me. And the, 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 the saying was, it is better to begin in doubt and end in certainty than to begin in certainty and end in doubt. That is kind of what our beliefs do to us, though. That we are taught, and I, I, I'll share this example real quickly of a, a, a Christian musician I interviewed back in, I think, the late 80s, early 90s. I was working for a Christian station at that time, and he had moved out to uh, New England. He had grown up in the uh, Jesus movement of the uh, 60s and 70s in California. And he's sitting at his writer's desk there in New England as we're chatting. He's sharing this with me, and he says, I started to question, is what I believe, what I believe, or what I was told or taught to believe? Now, it seems to me that those are actually inseparable. So how do we get to a place where we can say, no, these are my beliefs. These were not told to me. Is that even possible? It is. Beliefs can be chosen. Many people have chosen their beliefs. This is what I I want to believe. Uh, but most of our beliefs, I would say 80% of them are indoctrinated into us. Now, we call it learning or socialization uh, in schools, right? We're taught what is true, what happened in history. Now, we know that books, history books are written by the winners, right? <laughs> the losers of wars don't write the history books. The winners do. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, everything can be questioned, and it's good to question everything. If you And so by taking beliefs and looking at them, examining them, and saying, where did I get this belief? Is this belief useful to my life? Do I want to keep it, or do I want to get rid of it? Do I want to change it into something more productive, something that gives me a better filter to look at the world through? So this, this self-examination is something that's very powerful, because you then aren't run by the automatic machinery of your mind, which was programmed into you. And most people run pretty much by their automatic patterns that have been programmed into them since childhood. And when you're really looking at yourself, you have to bring up all those beliefs and all those patterns that got programmed into you and then question them and say, you know, what's the effect? Because every belief produces an effect. Here, I'll give you an example. This is something you can do yourself and the listening audience can do. So for a moment, close your eyes and feel what it feels like to hold the belief, there's something wrong with me. And as if it's 100% true, just say it to yourself and feel what that feels like in your body. Mm, I don't like it. <laughs> yes. Tell me, tell me, like where, where do you feel the feelings you don't like? Where in your body do you, what's happening in your body? 
Uh, physically, I would say probably in my gut for the most mm -hmm. part. And then, of course, I can start feeling the muscles tense up a little bit in the shoulders. Right. And those are very common experiences. Some people feel a kind of withdrawing. Some people feel in their chest or their cheek or their their neck. Um, so now just get rid of that, like take it off and throw it aside. And now feel what it feels like to hold the belief. I am a sacred and worthy being and see how that makes you feel. There's a buoyancy, just a physical buoyancy, the mm -hmm. gut pain or discomfort's gone. Mm -hmm. And even in my own mind, I just, it's like, yeah, wow. Beautiful. So what we've just proven is that beliefs create feelings. Mm -hmm. And so every belief that we have, not every belief, but many of the beliefs we have create feelings. And sometimes you have a feeling and you don't know where it is, what it is, where it came from. You're just uncomfortable. And so what you can do is you can look inside and say, what, what do I believe that's causing me to feel like this? This is a very practical way of using belief, belief uh, inquiry. Uh, uh, I'll give you a quick example. I, I walked into a party one time and I, I knew it was going to be a great party with a lot of my friends there. And as soon as I walked in the house, I felt weird. People looked cold and distant. They, they, they was unfriendly. My whole body was like vibrating and I had no idea what was going on. I just knew that I had reacted to something. And so I sat down in a chair very close to the front door. I closed my eyes and I felt the feeling fully. And that's the first step of this process. I felt it fully and completely. And then I asked, what belief are you? And it answered and said, I don't belong here. And I went, aha, that old belief. I remember that one. I had gotten rid of it a long time ago, but something had triggered it. And suddenly I felt like I didn't belong. And so using my technology, I cleared that belief, I don't belong. And I put in the belief, I installed the belief, I belong here. I stood up, opened my eyes. It was a completely different party. People were friendly. They were waving me over. It felt warm. I felt comfortable and, and, and serene inside myself. And that process took about 20 seconds. And so when we have an uncomfortable feeling, we can actually change that feeling by changing our belief. And that's hmm. a powerful technology for, that anybody can use. Lion Goodman, my guest, we are talking about uh, clear belief, the clear belief method here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And uh, Lion Goodman, you have uh, uh, continued to uh, uh, dig deeper and deeper and deeper as far as the questions that I am going to ask you, because now we get into an area where, all right, you had that feeling that you didn't belong. Where'd that come from? What belief? I don't belong and so forth. And you made the corrective measures, so to speak. You made the, let me rephrase that. You made the adjustment. But what if that was your intuition telling you this is not a safe space for you? What's the difference between our intuition and our beliefs when it comes to, let's just say, use that simple example of yours. That is a really good question. <laughs> Glad you asked. <laughs> so what is intuition? Intuition ah. is some part of us speaking to us because it knows something we don't know at the conscious level. It's the subconscious speaking. Okay. Now, it's if I had looked inside this feeling and I and I said, what belief are you? And it had said, get out of here. There's something dangerous that's going to happen. Then I would have taken that action because that was an inner voice speaking to me. But what it gave me was just, it was just an old belief that had gotten triggered. And I didn't know what triggered it. it might've been somebody's smell. It might've been a person that I had a conflict with in the past. It might've been a color or a wave or who knows what, it could have been anything. Mm -hmm. But it didn't matter what triggered it. What mattered was what I did with it. That's my ability to respond and my responsibility, right? So if, the, if there's a real danger signal coming from the subconscious, Listen to it. When the body talks, especially when the body talks, it's a good time to listen. So uh, uh, if it had been intuition, I would have known it. I would have acted on it. Okay. So those are, those are the differences. And from what you've said thus far, it leads me to the conclusion. And please correct me if I, I am incorrect here. That there are some beliefs or maybe more general, that beliefs are 
important, they are necessary. But as I said to my eldest, my late sister uh, at a Thanksgiving dinner, wrong place to have this particular conversation in the kitchen where mother is preparing Thanksgiving dinner. She was challenging me on my salvation, if you will. And I responded to her with, Jeanette, my beliefs of yesterday are my are not my beliefs of today are not my beliefs of tomorrow because I'm still growing and experiencing and so on and so forth. I don't remember what her response to that was, but um, I do know this probably much. Probably something like, I'm sorry, you're going to hell. <laughs> well, my sister was much more tactful, although <laughs> she she never minced words per se, but she was much more tactful than that. Uh, what I will say, though, is, and I, I found this so beautiful when I had my last conversation with her, and I asked her if she was ready, and she said, yes, she was. She was not afraid. So I thought that was a real interest. And again, I would assume, forgive me for assuming here, that even that lack of fear that she had of dying was still based upon a belief. Yes, it was based on a belief. And that's why beliefs are useful. Like we have to have beliefs. We're made of beliefs. Okay. Mm -hmm. it's sort of like saying, well, you don't have to have cells in your body. Well, yeah, you do. <laughs> if you want to be alive, you have to have cells. So, so we have to have beliefs because that's how our mind works. The question is, what do we do with them? And if, and it's easy to take on a belief because the mind, body, brain does not like uncertainty or the unknown. Now, this goes all the way back to our early hominid ancestors and probably the animals we evolved from. If you don't know what something is that's rustling in the in the woods, it could be a predator and it could eat you. So it's much better to know than to not know to the mind brain. Right. So if somebody gives us something to know, we feel more comfortable. So if we know that we're going to go to heaven when we die, that's more comfortable than not knowing what is going to happen. And it's it's a comforting, beliefs are comforting when you have them. So it's easy to stick with them, especially if everyone around you believes the same thing, because then you're also belonging. And belonging is one of our deepest survival strategies. So if I take on the beliefs of those I belong to, I have a much better chance of surviving. Now we're born into a troop, like the monkeys in a troop. If you get pushed out of the troop, you're gonna be dead. Right. So the same thing is true for us as human as human monkeys. And that is that if we're born into a family and we don't accept and adapt quickly, we could be thrown out to the wolves. So we take on we eagerly take on the beliefs of our parents and our siblings so that we can belong. And then we're going to be cared for just like monkeys in a troop. They care for each other because they all hang together and they all do the same things. So our urge to belong and our need to believe things keep us locked in to a particular belief structure. Mm. And for some, it can go on for days, weeks, months, or an entire lifetime. Indeed. I, I had interesting conversations with both my mother and father. My father has since passed away, but uh, I remember in an interview that I did with the two of them on this program back in 2015, uh, they both acknowledged that they no longer believed in or uh, uh, um, they didn't care for organized religion because they saw just way too much corruption in it. However, that didn't mean that they weren't spiritual. They didn't that didn't mean they didn't believe in God uh, and so on and so forth. Um, before we move on, because for the last 30 minutes, we've been talking about beliefs, what they are, what they aren't, uh, how they work, how they don't work and so forth. Um, but before we, before we move on, I, I want to, um, uh, ask you about, uh, the, this, this concept of, uh, beliefs that we get. And obviously we get them very early on in our childhood. Um, how about, how about the belief that somehow miraculously, and not necessarily in a good way or a bad way, just miraculously happens when someone utters a phrase. For example, I was in Sedona with the family. I was a young kid, maybe, I don't know, seven, eight years old. There's a church up there called Church in the Rock. I don't know if you've ever been to Sedona or not. Beautiful place. And there's this beautiful wall, right? This wall. And it starts out very low and it starts to rise as you walk up the path and it gets higher and higher. 
And I, as the fun-loving kid, I climbed on the wall and I started walking up, to which my mother said, Richard, you should get down or you are going to fall. In less than 10 seconds, I fell face first into the dust and it knocked the wind out of me. Uh, so what are your thoughts in regards to our beliefs and their impact or effect on other people? Well, it is generally considered true these days that our beliefs create a reality. And I have a bit of a refinement on that, which is our beliefs create our experience of reality. A little bit different, a little mm -hmm. bit changed. So um, we can create things, you know, in, in the Bible, it says, God said, let there be light. And there was light. Mm -hmm. That is pure creation. That's an example of using words, logos in the, in the Bible. Logos can create reality. So even in the Bible, it said words can create reality. Now that gave that power to God, not so much to us, but it turns out that we have it too, that we can create realities into existence mm -hmm. through our words. For example, if I say, hey, Richard, would you meet me for lunch tomorrow uh, at, uh, at Cafe Platypus uh, at two o'clock? That's a request. If you say, yeah, sure, I'll be there. That's a promise. Mm -hmm. Well, we just created a reality in the future through our language and through words. So that's an example of a way that we create reality all the time. So when you can also create crazy reality, if you walk around saying, I am the king of the universe, and I want everybody to bow down and pay me, <laughs> you're going to get certain people who will actually bow down and pay you. But for the most part, you'll be put in an institution because you're declaring an invalid reality. You don't have the authority to say that you get to be king of the universe. So um, that's a declaration. You can declare, I am happy and create happiness in yourself. Mm -hmm. You can declare, I am miserable and create misery in yourself. So within the personal universe, you can actually create reality with your words. This is where affirmations come in. Unfortunately, when most people say affirmations, I have a whole bunch of money in the bank. The, uh, the subconscious mind reacts and says, no, you don't <laughs> look at your checkbook. You do not have money in the bank. And so we get these conflicting beliefs mm -hmm. and conflicting beliefs cause lots of trouble. Whatever you resist persists. So, so that's why affirmations don't work. But if you clear the old beliefs first and then install new beliefs, then they can flower and grow like, like, like uh, vegetable seeds. And those are the kinds of things that we are going to talk about here with Lion Goodman talking about clear beliefs method here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And Lion, we've we spent the last 30 minutes uh, really hitting beliefs and what they are and so forth really hard. Now let's talk about this aspect of clearing. I know um, as a person who grew up building computers back uh, early, as early as 1994, that there was this command that would allow me to, as, as the term is, I could F-disk the entire hard drive and start over, uh, which means that I format it. And it supposedly either overwrites or it deletes all of the uh, data that is on that hard drive. In uh, in recording studios uh, years and years ago, when I first started, got into this business, we had uh, Mylar tape, whether it was a cassette or reel-to-reel, -reel, a cartridge. Uh, for some people, that would be like an A-track. And you'd run it over what they called a degausser or a, a um, an electric magnet. And it would remove all the electrical impulses from the tape and you would start fresh. How do we do that? In that context, with the beliefs that, to, to coin that phrase you used, no longer serve us. That's my favorite question you've asked so far. You've asked a lot of great <laughs> questions. <laughs> so first of all, remember that, that when you were both uh, uh, reformatting your disk or, or degaussing your tapes, that you weren't actually clearing data, you were basically reorganizing the, the ones and zeros or the magnetic poles on the, on the medium. Mm -hmm. So, so you were taking out information. You didn't destroy the disc or the, or the tape. You were just destroying the information, right? So the mind is the same. The mind is made of information and what I'm calling beliefs. And so uh, we could 
destroy all the information and then you would be either enlightened or you'd be a baby with it needing a diaper and a, and a nipple. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so babies come out with certain instincts, like they have the instinct to suckle, for example, and the instinct to avoid falling. That's These are built-in instincts, but mostly it's an open system that will take information and store it. And the desire of the mind is to gather information and use it to survive. So we have this natural instinct. Now, let's say uh, beliefs are, some have a positive impact, some have a negative impact, and some are neutral. For example, when you say that is a cat, it doesn't have any emotional charge to it. When you say I'm a miserable person, that has a lot of emotional charge. Mm. When you say I'm a, I'm a wonderful person, that has a positive emotional charge. So uh, there's these charges, just like the the mini magnets in on your on your uh, music tape and the ones and zeros on the hard disk. Uh, and so those are those are uh, coming up as noise in the system. I like to use this analogy. Uh, if you're going to create a garden, the first thing you do is you'd clear the rocks and the weeds from the soil. And then you'd have soil, you'd turn it over and amend it, and then you'd plant your seeds and you'd get to grow vegetables or flowers or whatever you happen to be wanting to grow. Um, you wouldn't throw your seeds on rocky, weedy ground because not much would grow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you wouldn't get much going on. Um, saying affirmations is and trying to change your beliefs is like, uh, throwing your seeds on rocky, weedy ground. But if you clear the beliefs that are in the subconscious mind first, then you've got fresh new ground to plant them in. So what my process does, what the clear beliefs method is designed to do, is to go down into the subconscious mind and clear that particular belief completely from the mind. There's a lot of belief change techniques that are useful, but they're temporary or partial. And I was looking for something that really worked permanently and completely because I was tired of just trying to change my beliefs by thinking differently or doing something differently or behaving differently or rationalizing why I should believe something else. Those things don't work for the long term. And the reason is, is because beliefs are not just mental ideas. They're multidimensional constructs that we created out of our experience. So our experience leads us to conclude certain things about life. Those become our beliefs. And then those beliefs act as filters and filter our experience. So they operate two ways. And in order to get to clear something from the subconscious mind, you have to clear it multidimensionally, not just from the mental mind, but also the emotional uh, body, the physical body, and the spiritual body. And then when it's cleared, it's cleared completely and it doesn't come back. Most techniques, you change your mind about something and pretty much, you know, two minutes or two years later, you believe the same old thing again. It's because you haven't cleared it completely from all the dimensions of being human. And there's a lot of dimensions of being human. Well, uh, it, it, what, and, and this is, this is a horrible question to ask of anybody who has a method that is there to help people. What kind of time frame are we looking at? Because you know, in America, we want the quick fix. We want it done now. Yes. Well, it takes me uh, 15 to 20 minutes to clear a belief in someone. Depends on what belief it is and who they are. Uh, but that's about how long it takes. Uh, there's a lot of prep before because you got to make sure you have the right belief, the core belief, what's the most core, because our, our beliefs also cluster together. And so you may believe, you know, I'm a I'm a bad person. Nobody likes me. Uh, there's something wrong with me. Uh, mommy said that there was something wrong with me, and she can't be wrong. <laughs> so we have all these beliefs that cluster together and reinforce each other. So to we have to clear each of them one by one in order to get a complete clearing of that complex. But it doesn't take that long once you have the technology in you. Yeah, you know, it brings to mind um, something my mother told told us kids. And I want you to know there were six of us and um, she told each one of us individually that we were unique. Now, on the face of it, oh, that's oh, thank you, mom. I, I appreciate that. And then so forth. And then we started to talk to one another and found out, oh, well, she said that to me, too. Oh, yeah, she said that to me, too. 
And for some reason, we interpreted that as it now diminishes the statement that we are unique, when in fact, it doesn't, you know, because each one of us six kids is unique in our own way, and it doesn't take away from any of the others. Yeah, and I like so to say I, I like to say that you're completely unique, just like everybody else. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. Very good. That's very good. We're talking with Lion Goodman, and we're talking about uh, the Clear Beliefs Method, and we're talking about it here on Tell Me Your Story. Lion Goodman is my guest, and LionGoodman.com is a website. You've got several websites, but I'm going to guess that most of those other websites regarding the Clear Beliefs Method are available through liongoodman.com. The process, how does one begin this process? I, I go to uh, liongoodman.com and I go to the page where it shows the program to register, to sign up and so forth. And um, obviously uh, uh, I'm going to find out uh, uh, all of the parameters of, of my commitment to it. So where where would I begin? What what happens after I've gone to your website? Well, the f- best thing to do to start is to download my free ebook, Clear Your Beliefs. And Clear Your Beliefs is an ebook that has this uh, belief self diagnosis exercise in it, where you can actually start looking at your beliefs and bringing them from the subconscious mind up into consciousness. That's always the first step. You know, in an emergency, apply awareness first. <laughs> so awareness of of your beliefs is the first step. And then I offer coaching, individual coaching, and I also offer a program for people who want to learn my methodology, and that's available at clearbeliefs.com. It's a whole training. We've got 600 graduates in 45 countries around the world. Um, It's very comprehensive, and it's an accredited course, which you mentioned at the beginning, uh, by the International Coaching Federation. So if, if you want to be a coach, if you want to learn the methodology for yourself and to help others, go to clearbeliefs.com. At liongoodman.com, you can find my coaching uh, page and and uh, it, it describes what I do to help people. When and where did you discover this method? Well, I, uh, as I mentioned, uh, I, I took over a hundred workshops and trainings um, after I was shot and almost killed and trying to understand what is the nature of human nature. And I discovered that when things went well, when something happened that changed my life it had to do with a change of core beliefs and that got me interested in my in in beliefs and so then i studied beliefs what are they where do they come from how do they function and i took many courses on how to change your beliefs and most of them as i said were were partial temporary uh they they didn't really do the trick but some of them worked really well and those that worked well, I looked at those and said, what do they have in common? And what they had in common was that they were multidimensional. They impacted all aspects of myself. And so then I basically asked uh, Spirit, I said, look, I need a process that's that clears beliefs multidimensionally, that works really well and fast and is fun and isn't boring. <laughs> Please, I, that's what I need. And about two hours later, this process just, just downloaded into me. Uh, and I looked at it, it was, I was seeing it sort of four-dimensionally, you know, seeing the whole process. I went, oh, that's pretty cool. I bet that works. And I tried it and it worked beautifully. And that became the the beginnings of the clear beliefs method. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was a gift from, from God or spirit or the universe. And, and that's a wonderful thing. And um, I was reading something earlier today uh, about gratitude, uh, being thankful for all of the things that we have in our lives. Now, Granted, we're going back to that whole thing of belief that uh, if one believes that gratitude can do that, well, then it very well might uh, in terms of, uh, because I've often said this, uh, and you've sort of alluded to that. Uh, I've often said that power words have power. We wouldn't use the words that we use if we didn't think they would be effective to, so to speak, get what it is that we want. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. And gratitude is recognizing that there's something larger than us that created us. Well, I, I didn't create myself. I just popped out of my mother's womb. <laughs> it's okay. That was right. a gift. You know, that was a gift that was given to me. I didn't uh, I didn't make that happen as far as I know. Uh, so uh, so gratitude is really recognizing that that it comes from 
life is grace. Life comes from something that is way bigger than we are. And by saying thank you, it, it actually completes the cycle. Uh, the Native Americans or the Native Mexicans, the Huicho people, uh, called it sacred reciprocity, where you know we are given everything in life. We're given food and we're given shelter. and We're given the materials to make our computers and our ability to communicate. Uh, what can we give back to the creator? Well, what yeah. we can give back is our thanks. Right. And so we give thanks in order to complete the cycle of, of the of reciprocity. I'm Richard Dugan, and we're here with Lion Goodman. And um, give me a little bit. Um, you, you said that uh, you didn't come out of your womb with a bunch of beliefs, uh, but um, you certainly were as we all were. I don't know that I like the word indoctrinated. Uh, it, it sounds very clinical and very sinister. <laughs> yeah, really, a doctrine is a belief, and in means in. So it just means a belief is put into you. So Okay. It, well, yeah. tell us a little bit about uh, your upbringing in terms of um, in terms of where you are today, because obviously your beliefs of uh, yesterday well, are not your beliefs of today and certainly are Lion not going to be Goodman, your beliefs of the website we're talking about well, I'll, the I'll start with my name uh, clear beliefs my name method and Lion we're doing Goodman that talking birth. right here on tell uh, me your story me another name for that little baby that was me goodman was the family last name but uh, they gave me a different name and um i like to say that they gave me an assumed name because they assumed I would like it when I grew up and I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I changed my name at 19. Now, changing your name is, is not that usual. Uh, it, it was, of course, when I was in college, lots of people were changing their name to moon unit or, you know, tree, tree bronze, but, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I changed my name to lion and my parents were horrified. It's like, well, what's wrong with the name we gave you? Well, that name came with a, with all of my programming, like that little boy who was growing up in that family got all the programming under that name. And by changing my name, I actually left that programming behind. I became a different person because one of the things we're very attached to is our name. Yeah. Right? Identify with our name and we can identify with anything. That means that we assume that that is us. So when you change your name, you're changing who you are. In the same way that when you change your religion, you're changing what you believe. And so um, uh, all of the programming that I got was now open to reprogramming because I had left the old behind. Now, there are certain things I couldn't leave behind, like my patterns of, of re reaction to my tether, my mother or my father. Right? Sure, yeah. Those are things that I worked <laughs> on for years to, to clear out of my system. Because they were, we learn what love is by watching our parents, how they treat each other and how they treat us. If there's abuse happening in the family, then we believe love is abuse. If there's abandonment in the family, we believe love equals abandonment. Uh, and so when we grow up and we become uh, adults, young adults, we start looking for love. The subconscious mind is looking for what's familiar, meaning it's from the family. So we may look at someone and they say, wow, she looks really good or he looks really good. Uh, this, they've got all the qualities I'm looking for at the conscious level. But the subconscious level, the subconscious is saying, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get abused or, oh, my golly, I'm going to get abandoned. That's just perfect because that's what love is. And so that's the kind of thing that happens when in our deep subconscious programming that we can clear out with conscious choices but otherwise it just runs us at the subconscious level. Mm. Wow. I, <laughs> I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking if there was just a way, and obviously there is the, the clear beliefs method to get beyond this stuff so that we can move on. I know a lot of people, they, because of their beliefs, they're stuck. They can't go on even to find their life's purpose, let alone live it. And so with this particular method, uh, within within reason here, within a good 30 minutes, maybe an hour, you begin that process. And I would take it that once you have cleared one belief, that there is sort of a slow cascade effect. Because as you start peeling, as the analogy goes, the onion, 
you reveal another layer and another layer. And granted, it does take some work to go through those layers. But once you've started that process, you know, at least you've started the process as opposed to, as they say uh, in basketball, uh, that you are guaranteed 100% not to make one basket if you never take a shot. Exactly, exactly. Um, so uh, when you clear a belief, it, it depends on how core that belief is. Because if you clear the belief, I'm, I'm a bad person, that might be a core belief that everything else revolves around. And mm -hmm. if you, then a whole bunch of beliefs disappear at the same time. But if it's part of a cluster, you have to clear most of the cluster for it to disrupt. Um, I'll give you an example uh, from mm -hmm. a, a client, um, a psychotherapist I was working with, had a great life. She was married and had had a great practice, but she always had this belief something bad's going to happen. And she tried everything to get rid of it. And she finally came to me and she said, doesn't matter how good life is. I think something bad's going to happen. So in my process took half an hour, we cleared that belief from her psyche. And when I changed, when I checked with her later, a couple months later, I said, how's it going? She said, it's amazing. After carrying that feeling with me my whole life, I haven't felt it at all in these last two months. And she said, wait a minute. No, that's not true. About a week ago, the thought came to me, something bad's going to happen. And I said, oh, I don't believe that anymore. And it went away. Mm. So that's how you know it's really gone, right? Now, uh, most of us only have three, four, or five clusters of beliefs in us that are really holding us back. And so it might take three months or six months to clear out those three to five clusters. And then the person's really free to create their own life from that point forward. Yeah. Now, other beliefs will come up because that's what happens when you move forward in life, something comes up from the past, but then you have the tool to clear it out of the way. And more people are stopped by their limiting beliefs than by any external circumstances, whatever they want to create, how they want to be in the world, the relationships they want to create, or the wealth, the success, they're stopped by the programming they got as children and are, that are still with them. So that's the glory of, of this process is that we can actually get it out of the way so people can become their true selves and, as you said, live their purpose. Now, we've been talking here for almost an hour, almost an hour. And at the front end of this program, I, I actually, uh, and, and you can say, no, I haven't been doing it. That's fine. I gave you permission to do whatever it is that you do uh, as far as um, analysis. Uh, have you come to any conclusions as it regards to yours truly? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I could call them suppositions rather than conclusions because okay. I haven't had enough time to diagnose you fully. Uh, but uh, I would, I see you as a man who's really done this kind of work himself. You've really looked and examined your beliefs. You've looked at them, changed them where you thought it was better to change them. You've created your life from your pure creative energy. You know, this program is an aspect of your beautiful creative energy that you have and that you want to share with other people. So I can see that your man has done a lot of inner work. And are there still, is there still a few things in the way? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. There's pebbles, <laughs> there's pebbles in our shoes. <laughs> uh, I'd be delighted in another venue to, uh, to take you through uh, the clearing process. So you can actually feel what it feels like to quickly get something out of the way. But I can see that you've worked hard on this. Uh, and, and you are correct since probably the uh, early 80s with LifeSpring mm -hmm. and uh, going through one thing after another. And then, of course, turning this program not only into what you've just described, wanting to share these ideas that you and others have with the rest of the world, but also in using this as a manner of speaking, my therapy. Uh, you know, and and I actually do have some people that I actually do seek out, you know, on, from time to time. But what I am finding so interesting, uh, Lion, is that it, I think it's less important to go out and find a quote unquote therapist to write a check to or pay money to every month. And more important to go out and create a network of people, friends, even family, if you can if you can get that close to family and talk to uh, about the things uh, that are troubling you, I am thankful. Oh my heavens. I'm thankful that I can talk uh, to my mother and my sisters uh, uh, about these kinds of things as well. 
uh, as as well as other people who are therapists who have asked, Richard, can I be on your uh, support team? Uh, it's like, I've I've never been asked that before, but yes, yes, you can. I can use all the help I can get. And we all can. But that seems to me like that's really the biggest bugaboo right now, especially in in a country in particular, let alone let alone a world that is in the polarized. And this is the way it was described to me. The country's not polarized. We are our mindsets are set to a polarized position. And that's different. But that's part of what prevents us from establishing those wonderful networks that we all can benefit from. We support each other and get supported by. Indeed. Indeed, it's true. Um, I, I One of my favorite people uh, who's a Republican, I'm not a Republican, uh, he and I have great conversations because we're both open-minded enough to have a, a reasonable and careful conversation about very very deep political issues mm -hmm. differ on and that ability to have a conversation with someone who doesn't share your opinions or your beliefs is really important to our personal growth and to society as a whole when people stop talking to each other because they have different beliefs it's not helpful uh, when when we have conversations and we, we we open ourselves to the possibility that maybe there's a different way of looking at things that's what creates peace mm. instead of instead of fighting. And you're right, we are we're extremely polarized. And if you want to polarize the people, make them feel afraid and angry. And yeah. that's what's happened in our country is we've made people feel afraid and angry. That drives people to the polar opposite of belief structures, and it makes for a really messy society. On the other hand, if you're trying to make money, it's a really good way to make money. <laughs> Divide and conquer. Exactly. That is the flaw. And then, of course, uh, from a biblical standpoint, a house divided against itself not only cannot, it will not stand. And uh, we need to uh, we need to cross the divide, as it were, cross the aisle, say hello, shake a hand. They're human beings, too. They're Americans, too. It doesn't matter what they're whether it's a blue or a red or an R or a D or an I or an L or whatever the letter is. Um we're all just trying to figure it out. We're all just trying to figure it out together here. And uh, you may, you may being on the other side of the aisle, you might just teach me something. And I have, I have a couple of friends here at the radio station, same kind of situation. I'm not a Republican either, but I certainly uh, understand and have, have a better understanding of where they're coming from. Uh, I think that the thing that disturbs me more than anything else about certain conversations is the generalities that the entire group, whichever group it is, wants to do this or wants to do that. And it's like, uh, no, the entire group doesn't because I'm a member and I don't want to do that. And that's that's. But again, getting sitting down and dialoguing, boy, just and, and my brother and I had one of those conversations about a year ago, went on for about two, three hours. And my mother comes out of the bedroom, says, boys, my, I'm 63 and he just turned 60. Boys, it's uh, it's one o'clock in the morning. Okay, mom, we'll be done in a few minutes. But we both agreed on three things that need to be dealt with. We didn't necessarily agree on how to solve those problems, but we agreed that they needed to be dealt with. And you know what? In the, in the final analysis, he's always going to be my brother and I'll always be his. And I think that's what people are losing is the fact that whatever the relationship is, yeah, we may have a difference of opinion, but still we're connected. I agree. And uh, I like to remember that a bird has a left wing and a right wing, and it needs both to fly. So yep. uh, in this country, we need both wings and the middle uh, in order to have a functioning society. And mm -hmm. when, you, when you begin to explore your own beliefs, you can try on other people's beliefs and see how they feel. And there's that old saw about, you know, don't criticize someone until you walk a mile in their moccasins. Mm -hmm. uh, and the same is true when you try on someone's belief, you know, don't criticize them until you try on their belief and see what it feels like from inside of it, because then you really know, then you can really empathize with the other person and go, oh, I see how you see this, the world. And through that worldview, through that belief structure, I can see why it looks scary to you or why it looks like that's the solution. You're trying on other people's perspectives. And then you become 
multidimensional, multi-perspectival, strange word, but you know, you have the ability to, to shift your perspective and get to know other people much more deeply. Absolutely. Uh, great words. Great words. We're talking with uh, Lion Goodman, liongoodman.com. We're talking about the clear beliefs method on tell me your story i'm richard dugan and it has really been a pleasure to have our very special guest lion goodman on the program uh, very I, I think a very deep conversation in this regard that touches on so many different areas that could really help us not only as individuals but also as a society as a civilization i know there are a lot of people uh there it was this was something else lion that i had heard about choices for example which are based upon beliefs um, that the choices that we've made in the past have placed us right where we are, which is kind of amazing if you think about it. You and I, every choice that we have ever made in our lives has brought us together right here. Is that not amazing? It's true. And also our indoctrination has brought us here because most people have not chosen their beliefs. Most people have taken them on because it mattered, because I get yeah. to belong to my family or my society. So so um, most people are not choiceful in their life mm -hmm. or choices do bring us here. But the more you examine your beliefs, the more choiceful you can become, the more options you have, because you can see that there's more options than the one you acquired by birth. Well, the other part of that saying is, and the choices that we make today will determine where we'll be in the future. Absolutely. But one of my guests made the great comment. He says, yeah, that's true. However, this goes to what you were talking about here as far as beliefs. But the choices that we make today are based upon, and I'll use the word belief, our belief in what we uh, 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 in what we believe the future will be. So if you're a pessimist and you think it's Armageddon, your choices are going to be geared towards maybe being a prepper, you know, a survivalist. I'm an optimist. My glass is half full, preferably half full of Irish cream, but half full nonetheless. <laughs> and I think it's going to be a better world as we move forward. And so my choices are in that direction. So I call, I call, I call myself an apocaloptimist. Which oh, I means like I it. Think, I think things are going to go to, but it's going to turn out. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and you know what, as the a dear friend of mine, uh, Barbara Marks Hubbard said, the late Barbara Marks Hubbard said that we're going through a birthing. Now, I interviewed her and she said this back in 2007 when we first started this program. It's now 2023. And boy, I got to tell you, this is one long uh, labor uh, that we're going through. <laughs> yeah, but that's what she said. And that when we come out, we'll see that beautiful baby, whatever it, it is. And oh, what, oh, and ah, and how wonderful and all of this kind of stuff. So. We just have to be patient. And I thank you for your patience throughout this program. This has been fascinating. And I'd love to have you back to uh, to continue the conversation. I'd love that, Richard. It's it's a great conversation to have. And thank you. You are very welcome. I do have three final questions to ask you. But before I ask you those questions, I want to thank you for listening to and watching. Tell me your story. New paradigms for a new world. We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and then Wednesdays at 9 a.m. with our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We're streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. Our podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, many other locations on the internet. And we're on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. We certainly hope that you will click on the notification button so that you will be notified the next time I post another conversation for you to listen to and consider. And um, we thank you for doing so. We also ask that if you can support us financially, we would be gratefully appreciative of that. All you have to do is go to PayPal. It's there for your security as well as ours. And when you uh, are asked who to whom you are going to send this to, it's going to ask for an email address, quite simply, richard at richarddugan.com. And finally, spend the time during this, the decade of perfect vision, going to that quiet, still, calm, peaceful place within and listening to that still, small voice. Uh, we all could use more quiet time, I can guarantee you. At least that's my belief. And with all of that being said, we go to our three questions to our special guest. 
And the first of those three is, who is Lion Goodman? Lion Goodman is an explorer of consciousness, a subconscious pattern detective, a divine spirit having a very human experience, and uh, a, a piece of joy in the world that's trying to transform the world into more joy. Which leads us into our second question. What is your life's purpose? Uh, my life purpose is to playfully awaken as many people as possible so that we can make it through this birth process. We can get to the other side and more people can recognize who they are truly and what their purpose is. Because if we were all doing our purpose, it would be a better world. And finally, what was your best day? Mm. has to be the day my daughter was born and I held her in my hands and uh, I looked into her eyes and I saw the whole universe. Wow. That's exciting. Well, thank you again, Lion, for joining us here on the program. We look forward to having you back. And we thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lol. Jeanette, I am listening, and Dad, be happy. I am.